This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hello, this is a special Star Trek edition of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly because of the fate of Star Trek Discovery. I am Axel reporting. Here are some of the coverage of Star Trek Discovery ending with Season 5. From BGR, they have a statement from the president of CBS Studios. When we first started talking about the return of Star Trek eight years ago, we never could have imagined the indelible impact Star Trek Discovery would have, said David Stapf, president of CBS Studios. The series brought back a beloved global franchise, and just like its predecessors, Discovery honored Star Trek's legacy of infinite diversity and infinite combinations, representing the best of what we could be as humans when we celebrate our differences. I'd like to thank Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise, who have led this show with heart, passion, and as fans themselves with vivid storytelling, always ready to push boundaries like those before them. And finally, I'd like to thank this talented cast, led by the brilliant Sonequa Martin-Green, whose leadership both on-screen and off has helped guide the way from day one. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. From TV Tonight, a statement from Sonequa Martin-Green. I'm astoundingly blessed by God to have played Captain Michael Burnham and to have taken part in a legacy alongside an extraordinary cast, phenomenal crew, and remarkable writing team, said star and producer Martin Green. I will never forget how it felt to stand together as a show family, cradling the heirloom of Trek with all those from the franchise at large and with the fans. 65 episodes later, here's to the entire company of Star Trek Discovery, to the show in its fifth and final season, to its beloved fans, and to all those who envision a better future. Let's fly. From Trek Movie, co-executive producers Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise issued a statement. As lifelong fans of Star Trek, it has been an immense honor and privilege to help bring Star Trek Discovery to the world. The Trek universe means so much to so many, including us, and we couldn't be prouder of everything Discovery has contributed to its legacy, particularly with representation. If just one person sees themselves, or the possibilities for their future, in a new way because of discovery, then we think we'd have made Gene Roddenberry very proud. Of course, there would be no discovery without Sonequa Martin-Green and the extraordinary team of artists, both in front of and behind the camera, who have brought this show to life. Their passion and determination to make every episode special has been deeply inspiring, so too has their love and support for one another and their genuine love for Star Trek. Discovery has truly become a family over the years, and we couldn't be more grateful to be part of it. To the fans around the world, thank you for joining us on this incredible journey. Your love for these characters and your excitement for every episode, every season, has meant the world to us. We can't wait for you to see what we've been working on for this final season, we appreciate your patience in the meantime, and trust us when we say it'll be worth the wait. We love you all. Live long and prosper. Here are some comments from reviews of the latest Star Trek Picard episode 17 seconds. From Trek Movie. 17 seconds amps up the action in a big way, bringing classic submarine movie, along with some classic Trek vibes, with intense battle sequences that make this a worthy episode on its own. But once again, the show truly shines in the dramatic moments between characters, with these more personal battles proving even more harrowing. Two takes Frakes kept the story flowing, 
with pacing that balance this action with some quieter character beats, along with some great gags, mostly from Michael Dorn's still wonderfully deadpan wharf. Throwing in some major character and plot reveals extended the anomaly battle, to make this more of the first installment of a two-parter, but that still works as a solid Star Trek episode. Where things mostly diverged from the classic Trek formula was in the two personal conflicts for Jean-Luc Picard, here Patrick Stewart delivers some of his best performances of the series. From the Spool The ultimate thrust of 17 seconds, the idea that in the blink of an eye, having a child to worry about changes the complexion of all your life's decisions. You cannot help but shudder at the thought of them in pain or, worse yet, losing them for good. And in the throes of confession, it can also make you angry. The most redeeming part of this whole silly reveal is the charged confrontation between Jean-Luc and Beverly, over why this is just now coming to light. The performers are still riveting and electric as scene partners, despite more than two decades since the characters shared the screen. Truthfully, this is the most animated and emotive Stewart has been since Star Trek Picard began. His Jean-Luc justifiably rails about Beverly robbing him of any choice here, about the chance to be a husband and a father he missed out on over the past two decades, about the sense of betrayal and her using his insecurities about fatherhood to deny him a chance to move past them. Picard is wounded, aggrieved, and lost in the sense that the damage done between father and son is irreparable. It brings out the best in the man who plays him. And from Trek Corps, it would be easy to write 2,000 words on just the final 15 minutes of 17 seconds, an episode of Star Trek Picard absolutely packed with intense scenes and dense plotting. The episode moves from one connective thread to the next and the next with massive reveals of character, heart, and storytelling along the way. It's 56 minutes of jam-packed Star Trek, that absolutely flies by, and it is the high point of the season thus far culminating in one of the great reveals of a villain ever seen on Star Trek. Against all odds, showrunner Terry Metalis has connected this season in unforeseen ways to the 90s era of Star Trek, with the ultimate link in this great narrative being the revelation, that the season's big bad are. The Changelings. More sci-fi talk with Tony Tejado in a moment. From BMI. Between them, BMI composers Frederick Weidman and Stephen Barton had already amassed an impressive body of work. But when the option presented itself for these two composers to score the third and final series of Star Trek Picard, the epic story of Jean-Luc Picard's iconic reunion with his former crew from the USS Enterprise in the 25th century, they both realized what a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity it would be to work on the beloved television series. To borrow Picard's signature phrase, they both zealously agreed to make it so. BMI caught up with Weedman and Barton to share their thoughts and experiences of working on this very special project. Here's what they had to say. Scoring season 3 of Picard is a truly exciting project, how did you two get involved? Frederick Weedman, my involvement started towards the later episodes of season 3. The finale of this adventure had taken on such a massive scale, and the amount of music required for the last four episodes, as well as its complexity, required more hands on deck. Since the editor on the show, Drew Nichols, had used one of my previously composed sci-fi scores quite heavily in the temp track, Occupation, Rainfall, which Terry, 
our showrunner, loved, they decided to bring me on. From the moment I got the phone call from Terry to my writing my first note for the show took only a couple of days. Things moved very fast. Stephen Barton, Terry Matalas reached out to me whilst he was making the third season of Twelve Monkeys, and that launched easily the most rewarding collaboration of my career. We started talking about Star Trek sometime during the fourth season of Twelve Monkeys, and once he was given the keys to the franchise to really make season three of Picard his own, we started talking about the Star Trek legacy, and the music which we have a shared love for, and how we might be able to weave all those elements together into what is probably the send-off for many of these characters. How does it feel to step into the role of continuing the musical legacy, of one of the most iconic television programs of all time? Were you given any specific parameters to adhere to or did they just give you free reign? Were you encouraged to dip into the series' long musical history? Frederick Weedman, it is every aspiring composer's dream to follow the footsteps of either John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith. For a boy who's loved film music since age 11, absolutely. While I have yet to contribute music to a Star Wars story, I feel incredibly blessed and honored to have been given the chance to work on such a legendary franchise. I am the generation that grew up watching Star Trek Next Generation on TV, so I was very familiar with it and its characters. In fact, I was a big fan back in the day. I still remember the day I bought the 30-year anniversary compilation CD of all Star Trek music back in late 90s. As for a musical direction, the idea was to stay true to the original Star Trek Next Generation tone and sound while keeping the score also contemporary and modern. The show offered wonderful moments to go back to all the incredible themes from previous Star Trek composers Goldsmith, Horner, McCarthy, Courage, etc. I believe the audience will enjoy hearing familiar themes and motifs all across Season 3 of Star Trek Picard. Stephen Barton, we started really by looking at First Contact, where Jerry wrote one of his finest tunes ever. The feelings that movie evokes, and the fact that it had a movie theme, a tune that represented more than just a character or a ship, was a big inspiration. I then went back through all of the Trek scores from start to finish, pretty much, and there were motifs both from the Next Generation TV series and movies, as well as the original series and movies, that we felt had wider significance to the whole story. The main theme of Next Generation is very much the Enterprise theme from Star Trek The Motion Picture, but it means so much more than that now. So, we knew we needed to write a new tune that tied to the USS Titan, but also write a score that called back to the James Horner, Dennis McCarthy, Leonard Rosenman and Cliff Eidelman music, amongst others. We had free reign to use the tunes, but we wanted to use them as precious gems and not just Star Trek wallpaper. There are times where I'm staying very close to the Goldsmith orchestrations, or Horners, in particular, but also times where I've reimagined it. More at BMI. And that is the special Star Trek edition of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly. For my fellow human hybrid AIs, this is Axel. <laughs>